This is episode 12 of the CB Northwest and Camp Tadmore Events podcast. This episode is from the 2019 Annual Enrichment Conference, Session 2, with Dave Whitaker, the president of CB America, titled Biblical Examples of High Relational Trust, Church to Church. Good morning. We are glad that you're here with us, and uh, it's my privilege to introduce our speaker, Dave Whitaker. Everything you need to know about Dave Whitaker, um, and some things you probably shouldn't know, are on page 25. And Dave, why would anybody play with Apple gadgets? But uh, anyway, um, I had the privilege of just sharing a little bit last night about Dave, and uh, I'm going to ask Dave to come up here. I've actually never heard Dave preach before, um, but what I have had the privilege of doing is spending time with Dave uh, trying to discern God's mind for the churches of CB America and for the regions around this place called the United States of America. Dave and I share something in common, and that is that we come from Christian families. We were, we were raised in, in uh, a rich heritage of belief in Jesus Christ. We grew up in the church. Uh, Dave and I are probably two of the most privileged men on the face of the earth uh, we not only get to pastor churches, uh, but we get to spend uh, the rest of our time uh, trying to discern how to help churches and how to help regions around the United States. That's afforded us the privilege of traveling around the world and meeting with, with churches uh, in all different countries uh, through CB Global. And uh, I have prayed with this man. Uh, we have talked church and tried to discern what God has for his church on many occasions. And Dave has been the genesis behind leading uh, CB America to um, the covenant community of regions that it is today. And uh, I am incredibly thankful to have you uh, be our speaker. And I can't think of anybody that I would rather have address the topic that we are uh, looking at here in these meetings. So brother, I love you. <laughs> Get the big hug. Which oh, see, Jerry, I'm supposed to go this way, right? Oh, man, I blew that last night. You're supposed to go up those stairs and down these stairs. You orchestrate everything, don't you? Yeah. Hey, good morning. Great to see you. Great to be with you. It is uh, just a privilege um, to sit here and get to worship with you and to declare a great God and a great gospel and good news that um, has changed us and is changing us and that our world needs. Um, I, I'm so grateful for CB Northwest. You've been an example to all of the regions. Uh, I'm so grateful on a personal note uh, for Mark um, I, I appreciate his heart, his diligence, his passion for the church and for the good news of Christ. And uh, I've learned much under his mentorship and uh, hope to continue to learn from him as well. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to Acts chapter 1 or your devices. <coughs> we'll um, put it on the screen as well. 
This is the word. In the first book, O Theophilus, I have dealt with all that Jesus began to do and to teach until the day when he was taken up, after he had given commands through the Holy Spirit to the apostles whom he had chosen. He presented himself alive to them after his suffering by many proofs, appearing to them during the 40 days and speaking about the kingdom of God. And while staying with them, he ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you heard from me. For John baptized you with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. So when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? He said to them, it is not for you to know the times or seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray. Lord, um, we commit our time to you this morning. We pray that uh, the Holy Spirit of God would take your word and that you would continue to fashion our hearts and our souls and our minds and our passions around that which matters to you. Lord, would you uh, just bless this time together, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Jesus was commissioning his disciples to take the gospel to the neighborhoods and to the nations. He was commissioning them to evangelize their generation, and I contend they did a really good job at that. But the job is not over. Every generation needs a book of Acts. Every generation needs to be reached with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Every generation needs to be freshly evangelized. Our vision behind CBA is that we see gospel-centered congregations transforming every community, that we see the gospel advance through our regions, through our churches, advancing through our networks, that we see the gospel reaching our neighbors, our neighborhoods, and our nations with the good news of Jesus Christ. They did it in the book of Acts. My question for us today is, why couldn't we do it again? Let's be a part of the book of Acts to this next generation. Think about it, in 28 chapters of Acts, it spans a period of about 30 years. In those mere three decades, the gospel made outstanding progress all around the Mediterranean and Roman world, and probably further. So why shouldn't that happen in our generation and in our day? We're just as normal as those apostles and disciples were. We're just as flawed as they are. We have the same fears that they have. We have the same weaknesses. We have the same self-centeredness that they had. And we have the same God that they have. We have the same commission that they have. We have the same power of the Holy Spirit that they have. We have the scriptures completed. We have 2,000 years of experience. We have all the technology in the world. Why can't we see the book of Acts happen again in our generation? Candidly, CBA has struggled nationally for identity, for cooperation. 
over our eight regions of churches across the country, we have about a thousand churches that to some degree identify with Next Gen and CBA and CB Northwest and Pacific Church Network and all the networks that we have with our chaplaincy. But my question that we asked at Next Gen some years back, and the question we're asking today is, what might we accomplish in these next 30 years for the gospel of Jesus Christ? What might we accomplish if we took God at his word, if even half of those thousand churches in our CBA network, if only 50% of them identify together, but gather together to plant churches, to strengthen churches, and to raise up new leaders to make disciples, if 120 people in an upper room could turn their world upside down, what could 500 churches do? What could 300 churches do? What could we do? Now here's what may be filtering in your mind right now. You're hearing from the new president of CBA. And you may be hearing me say, let's bring back the good old days of CBA. Of course, Dave, you're a denominational guy now. Of course, you want to see CBA resurrected. And you think you're hearing me say, let's wrangle the churches for the sake of our denomination and of our network of churches. Let me be candid with you. Denominations are dying. Networks are dying. I'm not here, and we did not go through the restructuring and recreating of our structure as a community of churches to resurrect any organization, to resurrect any denomination. I can tell you flatly, we're not here to raise any organization up. There's nothing that I just read in the book of Acts that talks about that. We don't need to go back and recreate old structures. We don't need to go back and recreate the good old days. They served their day well, maybe. But there is this mission that Jesus gave us. It's still on our plate. There is a Savior and a Lord that has left to this generation, to those that are ministering in 2019. We are asking the question, what would it look like if we as leaders and pastors and churches and agencies got over ourselves, got over our little kingdoms and our isolating attempts to fulfill Matthew 28 and Acts 1 all by ourselves? What if we instead partnered together in planting and strengthening churches and leaders and saw gospel-centered congregations transforming every single community? What if local churches and pastors and leaders and associations and chaplaincies and agencies and cross-denominationally we work together to see the good news of Jesus Christ turning a new world upside down? Why not? Now, I certainly believe in the autonomy of the elders of your local church as its highest human authority. And I certainly believe in the authority of the local church over the discipline of its own members. But we have gone so far in our autonomy beyond that and have so clung to our over-exaggerated autonomy that we've used it as an excuse for our isolation and as an excuse to be isolated in our attempts 
of trying to accomplish what the gospel has given to us. I'm talking about a covenant community of churches and leaders not only experiencing transformational relationships within their congregations, but moving beyond the isolation into transformational relationships and partnerships between churches and leaders and pastors. What if we together worked to see our neighborhoods? This reminds me of a speech class I took one day. Well, we had a, a speech that they interrupted, and mine was exactly that sound. I am going back into the world. Think back 30 years, if, if you can. How old were you? Think about the fact that in the 30 years behind you, we have Acts 1 through 28 happening. That by Acts, 20, by Acts 17, they were starting to say, you guys are turning your world upside down. Think ahead 30 years. How old will you be? Some of you have an entire book of Acts ahead of you. Some of us only have maybe a third of a book of Acts ahead of us. But not everyone that started out in Acts 1 made it to the end of Acts 28. James didn't, certainly. Stephen certainly didn't. But they were a part of a movement. And they created platforms and opportunities for its world to get upside down. They established beachheads around the empire, churches that were being planted, churches that were being strengthened, leaders that were being raised up and mentored and cast, sent out to accomplish the work of the gospel. See, what I want to challenge us with today and this week is that none of them did it alone. No one would have even thought of trying to do the mission alone. From day one, they held their lives and their resources in common. I contend that one of the reasons we struggle with creating tipping points in our communities toward the gospel of Jesus Christ is because we're trying to do it alone. We cling so tightly to our autonomy we don't see the vital importance of our interdependence. When it comes to writing our own book of Acts, together is essential. Alone won't get you very far. We live in a generation that doesn't need its politics turned upside down. It needs its heart turned upside down. It needs the gospel. Let's get churches planted. Let's get churches strengthened. Let's raise up leaders. Let's do it again. If you were a platoon of soldiers, 30 to 40 soldiers in a battle, surrounded by an enemy of thousands, my guess is you wouldn't care who it was, Marines, Navy, Air Force, Army, you'd grab whatever friend you could find to help you in the middle of that battle. You'd be grabbing whoever you could. You would not assume that your little platoon surrounded by a counteroffensive was fine all by itself. 
You as a platoon of soldiers would not try to go it alone, as if the fate of the U.S. Army's mission in the world depended on your shoulders alone. That would be foolish, that would be stupid, yet strangely, that is the attitude many of us have in our local churches as we maintain and seek to undertake the mission of God in the world by ourselves. We know we're sojourners, we know we're aliens, we know there are other forces and there are other friends out there. We know that the world, the flesh, and the devil are opposing us like a bloodthirsty mob. But too easily our churches are undertaking the mission of Christ all by our lonesome. And too easily we pastors forget. Let me just run through a whole ream of scripture here to remind us of some things. Number one, we share the same Christ. 1 Corinthians 1, to the church of God that is in Corinth, to those sanctified in Christ Jesus, called to be saints together with all those who in every place call upon the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, both their Lord and ours. 2 Corinthians 1, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God and Timothy, our brother, to the church of God that is at Corinth with all the saints who are in the whole of Achaia. Ephesians 2, so then you are no longer strangers and aliens. You are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. You're built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone in whom the whole structure is built together. It grows into a holy temple in the Lord. In him, you also are being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. Colossians, he's the head of the body of the church. He's the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything he may be preeminent. 1 Corinthians 10, the cup of blessing that we bless, is it not the participation in the blood of Christ? The bread that we break, is it not a participation in the body of Christ? Because there is one bread. We who are many are one body, for we all partake of the one bread. Ephesians 4, rather speaking the truth and love, we're to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped. When each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. We share the same Christ. We share the same body. We're the same temple. We're the same dwelling place of God. We're the same, we have the same Holy Spirit. We have the same priesthood, the same household. We're the same nation, the same kingdom. But you don't have time. We belong together, but you're too busy. Maybe you don't have time. What about Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria? They need the gospel. How are gospel-centered congregations transforming every community going to happen if we keep trying to do this alone? We're ambassadors for Christ. Mark reminded us well of that last night. I think the metaphor of an embassy is very helpful because there are beachheads of Christian communities, churches, ecclesias all around the world. We're actually spread out throughout the kingdoms and nations of this world. And every Christian is an ambassador, but they report to their embassy. 
that ecclesia, that local church, shares a kind of political and national unity together with all of the embassies of our nation, of all of the embassies of our king. We're bound together. Different churches, different regions, different communities, different styles, but one gospel, one Lord, one body, one nation. Since we share an interest in one another's spiritual welfare, we need to pray for one another, encourage one another, financially support one another, bring leaders alongside one another, do what we can to adjust our ministries to one another. We also share the same gospel commission. Let me just read Matthew 21. The 11 disciples went to Galilee to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. And when they saw him, they worshiped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came and said to them, all authority in heaven on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. What I want you to notice is at the top, some doubted. You ever go through doubts? You ever go through doubts that, why am I doing this? Go through doubts of, is this effective? Go through doubts, is this real? Do we have anybody around us that are helping us through our doubts? Are the 11 apostles around you encouraging you, instructing you, helping you? They were seeing the risen Lord and they still struggled with doubt. How about us? Do you want to do this alone? Look at the posture of the church from the very beginning. Acts 1 says, when they had entered, they went up to the upper room where they were staying all these with one accord were devoting themselves to prayer together with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus and his brothers. They were together. They were praying together. They were waiting on the Lord together. They were working together. Why don't we as churches and leaders and elders and pastors and women and men partner together the gospel. Philippians, Paul says, I thank my God in all my remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine for you, making my prayer for you all, making my prayer with joy because of your partnership, your koinonia, your co-ownership that you have with me of the gospel. Second Corinthians, after Titus, as for Titus, he is my koinos, my partner, my common owner, and fellow worker for your benefit. They did this together. They had shared leaders, 2 Corinthians 8. But thanks be to God who put in, into the heart of Titus the same earnest care I have for you. For he not only accepted our appeal, but being himself very earnest, he's going to you of his own accord, with which we are sending the brother who is famous among all the churches for preaching the gospel. 3 John, beloved, it is a fruitful thing that you 
do and all your efforts for these brothers, strangers as they are, who testified to your love before the church, you will do well to send them on their journey in a manner worthy of God, for they have gone out for the sake of their name, of the name attempting nothing from the Gentiles. Therefore, we ought to support people like these that we may be fellow workers for the truth. They planted and strengthened churches. Colossians 1, he says, I'm filling up what is lacking in Christ's afflictions for the sake of the body, that is the church. Acts 11, they're scattered abroad throughout Phoenicia and Cyprus and Cyrene. Verse 22, the report of this came to the ears of the church in Jerusalem. They sent Barnabas to Antioch, and when he came, he saw the grace of God. He was glad. He exhorted them. He brought Saul, and then... Saul later returned from Jerusalem where they completed their service. 2 Corinthians 10. For we are not overextending ourselves as though we did not reach to you, for we were the first to come all the way to you with the gospel of Christ. We did not boast beyond limit in the labors of others, but our hope is that as your faith increases, our area of influence may be greatly enlarged. They assisted each other with doctrine and practice. Acts 8, they sent Peter and John because they didn't know about the Holy Spirit. When they had testified and spoken the word of God, they returned to Jerusalem preaching the gospel. Acts 15, you know that story. 1 Corinthians 4, for though we have countless guides in Christ, you do not have many fathers, for I became your father in Christ Jesus. Be imitators of me. Timothy, my beloved and faithful child, I sent in the Lord to remind you of my ways in Christ. They were generous in supporting one another in crisis, especially. Romans 15, they brought aid to the saints. 2 Corinthians 8, we want you to know, brothers, of the grace of God that has been given among the churches of Macedonia in the severe test of affliction. Their abundance of joy and their extreme poverty have overflowed in the wealth of generosity. Acts 11, the disciples determined every one according to his ability to send relief to the brothers. Back in 2016 um, in the summer, or 2017 in the summer, we had the Santa Rosa fires. The churches in Next Gen and CB Northwest and others gave over $80,000 to assist the relief efforts there in the fires that took over Napa. Santa Rosa had hated churches, didn't want anything to do with churches. When this whole thing was over, they hired someone to help with the affiliation of the city with the pastors of those communities. When FEMA and other organizations weren't able to keep up with the housing, someone said, let's contact the church. And the story was totally rewritten. They could not believe what the church in Santa Rosa and beyond did. What you did. Last summer, we had the campfire up in Paradise. Wiped that entire community out. Churches in our network raised over $140,000 for relief efforts. Plus, people in our churches were giving trailers, were going up giving time, adopting families. We hired two people to work with all of the churches in that community to be a liaison between them and the broader community there in Paradise. 
is the church working together? And there's all kinds of gospel stories happening. They work together. They influence and model one another to one another and how to follow Christ. First Thessalonians, that you became an example to all the believers in Macedonia and Achaia. How do you do that in isolation? You are imitators of the churches of God in Christ Jesus. How do you do that in isolation? In 2 Corinthians 8, as for Titus, he is my partner and fellow worker for your benefit. And as for our brothers, they are messengers of the churches of the glory of Christ, so that proof before the churches of your love and of our boasting about you came about you to these men. They prayed for other believers in churches, prayed for all of the saints in Ephesians 6. In Colossians 4, Epaphras is struggling on their behalf. They have these familial ties, these relational ties. They greeted one another with a holy kiss. Paul was giving these personal instructions. For example, in 1 Corinthians 16, the churches of Asia send their greeting. Aquila and Priscilla together with the church. There's this relational entity happening. And I go through all of these passages to remind us there is so much more about how the church, the body of Christ, function and work together. I really believe CBA is only of value as its regions, its chaplaincy, its agencies, the local churches together are the body of Christ together for one another for the sake of planting churches, strengthening churches, raising leaders so that we can see gospel-centered congregations transforming every community. Sure, we as or, or organization want to leverage conferences and training events and elder training and lifting up and training of leaders who are communicating well and using leaders that are writing well to assist us in the training of the gospel movement. But we will not see an Acts Church movement happen when it comes out of a national office that adds more programs. We will not see an Acts Church movement happen until we as men and women and leaders with one accord are devoting ourselves to prayer together, partnering for the planting and the strengthening and the raising of leaders so that gospel-centered communities are transforming our world. See, what I'm talking about is we want to really be a new wineskin that has new wine. We want to be a wineskin where new wine can ferment. Is that okay to use wine as an illustration? See, I, I see CBA as providing the wineskin. We're not the wine. It's the gospel. It's what happens in local churches. It's what's happening in your community. It's covenant communities with one another for the sake of the gospel that provide the wine. Rather than us as an organization trying to create wine, we want to simply provide the wineskin. We want to provide the environment. We want to provide the structure. We want to provide the encouragement so that we, along with our seminaries and mission partners and chaplaincy and regions, encourage the church to bring the wine. But rather than doing this alone, we preserve pursue learning together from other churches and our associations and our regions and our communities, from our mission 
to our seminaries, to our partners, that as leaders we build relationships with one another beyond our churches as we seek to grow in wisdom and the nitty-gritty of doing missional work and are trying to rewrite this new book of Acts. How do you deal with your tough pastoral challenges? How do you further the work of the gospel in your community? How are you going to reach your community for the gospel of Jesus Christ? How is your community going to have gospel transformation happening in it? You cannot do it alone. That's what I'm saying. Why is partnership necessary? I'm going to talk more about this later, but let me just highlight it. I believe partnership is necessary for mission and maturity. Our mission from Jesus is to take the gospel to the neighborhoods and to the nations, to Jerusalem, Judea, and the end of the earth. How can any one local church do that? We need to work together so that every church can tr contribute meaningfully to our world mission, that every church can consistently pray and give financially and help churches get planted and assist churches that need to be strengthening and to help leaders that need to be raised up, to assist leaders and the raising of leaders, that together our mission can be healthier and stronger and longer and more sustainable. In terms of maturity, no matter how experienced your team of leaders are, your local church will never reach full maturity, I believe, without outside help and perspective. Partnership is necessary because it humbly honors the body of Christ. See, apart from the biblical precedent of partnership, common sense tells us that no eldership team can maximize their potential without meaningful outside input. Proverbs 11 says, where there is no guidance, a people falls. But in the abundance of counselors, there is safety. Isn't it unwise on our part to assume that you can do it alone? In my church that I pastor in Morgan Hill, wouldn't it be unwise for me to assume that I and my staff and my elders can lead our church to be the best it can accomplish the reaching of our community and the transformation of our community with the gospel that we do it out without outside help. We don't do this because of pride. We don't partner together because we think we know best. We think if I ask for help, we think if we partner together that somehow I can't do it alone. We want to identify ourselves as people that can really accomplish it well. And we find identity in our roles rather than in our Christ. We keep ourselves from accomplishing the, the purpose of the gospel. We need to be reminded that there is a stewardship put on each of our plates. It is a commission given to us by our Lord and our Savior. And that commission and that stewardship is temporary. And one day you'll hand it off to the next generation. But we're accountable. My role as a pastor is not who I am, it's what I do. And I want to do it well. Which means I need people building into me. We need partnership for synergy. 
partnership will help us maximize our strengths and help us shore up our weaknesses. It will help us maximize our potential influence and provide a network where through individuals and churches, we can influence more broadly than we otherwise could. Partnership is necessary for the protection of the mission. Sometimes churches go through immensely challenging seasons. Sometimes there is a loss of a leader or of a failure of a leader, or there's a burnout of some sort, or there's a sickness, or there's a death, or there's a doctrinal issue or challenge, or a behavioral issue and challenge. What would happen if the churches were working together and help each other? See, as a network of churches, CBA's vision is to see gospel-centered congregations transforming their community with the gospel of Jesus. To see within our communities tipping points taking place where there is a movement of the gospel. Our mission is to see the Lord's commission advancing through networks of churches and leaders. And we want to do that as we strengthen and plant and establish new leaders. In Acts 14, it says, When they had preached the gospel to that city and had made many disciples, they returned to Lystra and to Iconium and to Antioch, strengthening the souls of the disciples, encouraging them to continue in the faith, and saying that through many tribulations we must enter the kingdom of God. And when they had appointed elders for them in every church with prayer and fasting, they committed to them the Lord to the Lord in whom they had believed. Notice, they're planting, they're strengthening, they're preaching the gospel, they're making disciples, they're encouraging them in the gospel, they're raising and appointing new leaders. What if that's what we did? That we establish elders and leaders to declare the gospel of Jesus Christ. What if in the next 30 years, we turned our world upside down? Mark was complaining about being old. I turned 60 this last year. I'm dying. I maybe have 15 years, 20 years, 25 years probably don't have a whole book of Acts in me. You're dying. And we have churches that are dying. And if we don't plant, and if we don't strengthen churches, many who are dying, and raise up new leaders, there will be no book of Acts. But let me ask this question when I'm done. What if we all ministered as if we were dying? What if we served by giving our lives away, giving our isolation up, giving our hyper-autonomy up, quit building our identities in our little kingdoms? What if we gave our lives away for the sake of, seeing Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the world preach the gospel? What if we gave up our lives to do what Paul instructs us here, and what the scripture instructs us here, 
to see gospel transformation happening in our neighborhoods and in our nation. Paul, as he's leaving the Ephesian elders in Acts 20, fully knowing that he was dying, said this in Acts 20, 24. But I do not account my life of any value nor as precious to myself. If only I may finish my course and the ministry that I received from the Lord Jesus to testify to the gospel of the grace of God. Why can't we do that again? Let's do it again. Let's do it together. So, Lord, you have given to us in 2019 a mission to our neighbors, to our neighborhoods, and to the nations. To preach the gospel, the good news, to make disciples, to baptize them, to teach them, to observe the things you've commanded. And you said you'd be with us. But you were with us in the mission. Lord, we've made it about our church, our kingdoms, our worlds. We've isolated ourselves. We've tried to do this by ourselves. Lord, we confess that humbly to you. I confess that many times I have done it by myself. But Lord, you have called us together to be the body, to be your temple, to be your nation, to be your priest, to be your dwelling place your people and God may we see in our midst our neighbors in our neighborhoods and our nation reach with the good news of Jesus may we see gospel centered congregations transforming our communities and our world with the good news of Jesus let us be a part of that Lord we know our time is short we use it well, and we pray this in Jesus' name.